1: All right, well, let's talk politics for a second. It's a busy weekend. There are two by elections uh, in British Columbia. Uh, one of them, of course, in Langford, Juan de Fuca, uh, which, of course, was once represented by the former Premier of British Columbia, John Horgan. And, of course, another by election will be held uh, Saturday as well in Vancouver, Mount Pleasant, uh, where at one point it was represented by Melanie Mark, former NDP cabinet minister. Joining me now uh, is Richard Zussman, Global BC's legislative reporter. Talk a little bit about uh, the, the those two by-elections and what uh, it all means in regards to what we can expect. Richard, thank you for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having me. So uh, both writings represented uh, by uh, NDP M- MLAs uh, prior to the by-election here. I'm going to assume this is still an ND- the NDPs to lose in both cases.
0: Yeah, these are in the business, what we call safe seats, Jazz, and it doesn't get any safer for the NDP than Vancouver Mount Pleasant. So, in some ways, this is a little bit of a dry run for the Premier. He's been out campaigning uh, with Joan Phillip, the local candidate there, also here on the island with Ravi Parmar in Langford, Wandafuca. Uh Premier doesn't have any experience as the leader on the campaign trail having just won the leadership uh, back in the fall and so he's used this by election as a chance to get out to meet some people uh to maybe test out a few lines although a lot of that is waiting until we get closer to the next scheduled election which is the fall of next year but you know we expect that both of these will be a relatively comfortable wins uh, for the NDP in replacing both Horgan and
1: Mark in the legislature for when uh, we have the session starting here in October. Now, uh, in Langford, the, the Green Party generally comes in second, or certainly last yeah. time it did, right?
0: Yeah, the Greens came in second to both of these ridings
1: in the last election. So,
0: by elections, as you are acutely aware, are all about comparing and contrasting, and. We know that turnout is going to be low. The weather is supposed to be outstanding tomorrow. Uh, That is going to mean people would rather spend their day in a park or a beach uh, or the soccer field than at the polling station. Uh, But if you live in either of those ridings and you're listening, I encourage you go out and vote, have your voice heard. Uh, But ultimately, because there's no major issues here, I expect the turnout will be low. But we'll have to watch some of those trends, right? The BC Greens uh, are gonna want to ensure that they end up in second to both of those places. But more importantly, I think we're looking at a little bit further down the ballot and what uh, happens to BC United. This is Mm -hmm. the first time, Jaz, the candidates are running under that banner. Uh, We've seen in both ridings the new signs. They're testing out the colors. Uh, They're trying out this pink and teal blue. They also have some signs with black. They have some signs with Kevin Falcon, the leader's picture on them, some with the candidates. They're testing all of this out to see how it resonates. But I think the more crucial factor is the fact there are Conservative Party of BC candidates running in both ridings as well. In 2020, there were no Conservative candidates in either riding, so we'll see how they do and how much of that vote they pull away from BC United, previously the BC Liberals, because that's going to be so crucial in the next election. Maybe it won't mean, you know, BC United Uh, or the Conservatives win any seats, but it very well could mean the BC United does not. So that's going to be one of the things I'll be watching really closely tomorrow.
1: Uh, I'm curious if for some reason there is some sort of miracle and the BC Conservatives uh, come out in third in either of these (laughs) ridings. It doesn't change the ultimate outcome. It's still probably going to be NDP. We don't know, but most people suspect based on past history. Um, What what would that mean uh, for BC United and specifically for Kevin Falcon?
0: every marketing firm in B.C. should be ready to take a phone call from Kevin Falcon on Sunday with the question, how do I brand myself as B.C. United and let voters know who we are and what we stand for? Because if they end up behind the B.C. conservatives, clearly whatever they're doing hasn't worked. And I don't think anyone is expecting that. Uh But I know there is some nervousness around how strong the conservatives may be. Karen Lichty, the candidate in Mount Pleasant, got some attention for raising the issue of uh, transgender athletes and uh, participating in the sport of your biological birth. Uh, it is an issue that is... A bell whistle in the united states that brings out transphobes and homophobes and has been hugely polarizing and that debate is happening now in part because of that issue raised in the by-election we'll see if that has resonated with any voters at all uh but if the bc united and bc conservatives are anywhere close bc united is going to go to the drawing board and say okay we have a year plus to the next provincial How do we explain to the electorate what this party is, what we stand for, who we are, and uh, how can we right this ship in some regards? These writings are are tough for the party, but it's all about those trend lines. And in politics, you always want to be having that forward momentum and hopefully peak at the time of a general election. You don't want to peak at the time of a by-election. But you do want to be ready to peak for when that general election of British Columbians vote in what will be ninety three ridings in the next provincial election, up from eighty seven.
1: Yeah, it is going to be interesting. I, mean, I think uh, the BC United hasn't had enough time to really solidify the name, the brand, um, and uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be they'll be introducing new candidates over the summer months as well for the variety of ridings. Like the, as you said, these are strong NDP ridings, but I think there is a bit of nervousness there. Like you know, Mr. Polyev does have some support and has a high uh, profile and I think some of that does wear off on BC Conservatives locally um, how much I don't know um, but there sure, certainly will be a little bit but I think everybody will be looking at the, the outcome and, and and sort of take a look at in regards to what this means moving forward but I think that with the barbecue season coming in politics and then of course the I think the BC United will be uh, unveiling new candidates in the next few months so uh, it's going to be very interesting because um, the drumbeat now begins for Uh, the provincial election. One could argue also, Richard, when you look at the issues of affordability, of housing, of crime, uh, there's a lot of churn out there. People are not happy with the prices when it comes to everyday living. They're not happy with the fact that housing costs have gone up. They're not feeling safe in some of our communities, especially in our downtown areas. You see it in Nanaimo. You can see a certain degree here in Vancouver as well. A lot of these issues are really tough to solve in six months or a year. And that's what Mr. Eby has before him too. So one could argue, you know, whether or not Mr. Falcon does well here is irrelevant. The broader issues, the broader themes seem to be swinging his way. Yeah, it's fascinating looking at
0: the polling because on one hand, people are saying they are frustrated with the way government is dealing with all of these issues you mentioned, public safety, housing, affordability, healthcare. And the other hand, the favorability numbers for David E.B. and the NDP continue to be extremely high. Does that erode over time as frustration grows? I would expect it would. So the job of the NDP will be to try to stop that bleeding before it hurts them electorally. So but the window's tight, as you describe. It's tight to change people's minds, but more importantly, it's tough, tough tight to really get to some solutions. So we, we saw a little bit of that in the by-election, but I really expect we we'll are start seeing as we go into the fall and we have that one year up from election, there's going to be a real charted course here from the government around managing priorities in the short term, but also having their eyes set on that next election and the sort of benchmarks they need to hit. Incumbency is always tough, you know. Mm-hmm. We know that uh, governments often lose power rather than oppositions win them. And uh, holding on to power... And trying to present new ideas always leads to the voter saying, well, if you have new ideas now, why didn't you just do them when you were in power? So I expect that over the next year we're going to see E.B. sort of manage through that tricky situation, propose some solutions, but also save some stuff up for the campaign when uh, he will know that uh, British Columbians are, are are closely watching. Richard, thank you. My pleasure as always. Have a great weekend, Jess.